Amen. Good evening. Great to see you all tonight. What a joy to be able to come together and and worship our Savior. Open your Bibles to John chapter 8. Tonight is the introduction to our summer series, The Strategy of Satan, How to Detect and Defeat Him. And tonight we're going to look at several different scriptures in our introduction. Paving the way for the remaining, uh, remainder of this series. How many know we have a real Savior? How many know we have a real Savior? A little better. I know it's Wednesday. It's 7.30 almost. How many know we have a real enemy? How many know here tonight we have a real victorious Savior who's not in the ground, but he rose again victoriously as Pastor Ken read in the opening of the service. He died, he was buried, and he rose again on the third day according to the Scripture. All Scripture is God-breathed and is given to us for reproof, for correction, for instruction, how we need to know the truth of God's word. Tonight's main scripture is John chapter 8, verse 32, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Military strategists will tell you that learning the truth about your enemy is a critical factor in winning battles. We've heard it preached many times that God has a plan for your life. Do you believe that tonight? God has a plan for your life. It's true. It's true. We know this because God's word tells us so. God has a plan for your life. And anything that God has for your life is good. Anything that God has for your life is perfect. It's right. It's right for you because it comes from God. Just as much as God has a plan for your life, there's a real enemy that has a plan for your life as well. And it's important that we understand the truth about our enemy. Here are three truths about Satan. Number one, Satan has limitations. If you're taking notes, there's an outline that was handed out as you entered the sanctuary tonight. The first truth we need to know about Satan, Satan has limitations. Don't think that the enemy of our souls can get access to you anytime he wants or do anything he feels like doing to you. That's just not true, according to God's word. And we'll see this more as we dive into our series here on Wednesday nights. It's important for us to remember as the followers, uh, as followers of Jesus Christ that God has put limits on the enemy. 
Paul writing to the church in Corinth in his first letter in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, the apostle Paul writes, no temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful. Can we say that together tonight? But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. And so when the enemy whispers in your ear, give in, give in, you can't win, give in, you can't win, it's a lie. It's a big lie. God says there's nothing that you will face that you can't have victory over according to what we just read in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. God wouldn't allow it. He only allows you to be tempted to the point where you can win, where you can live victoriously. That's true. Too often we believe the devil's lies. We believe his lies and so we continue to live as prisoners in bondage to sin habits. Because the enemy whispers and says, you can't beat this thing. You can't beat this thing. This thing has you. It's beat you. You you can't win. That's a lie. But how many of us believe that lie and continue to, to live in bondage and slavery to whatever that sin habit might be? The second thing, the second thing, the second truth that's important to, to know about Satan, number two, Satan is not omni anything. He doesn't know everything. Satan doesn't know what you're thinking right now. Only God knows your thoughts. He's also not everywhere like God. The word is omnipresent. He's not all powerful like God. He can only do what God allows. The third truth that's important for us to understand about Satan is this. Number three. Satan is the defeated enemy of our soul. Did you get that, church? He is the defeated enemy. He's not just an enemy. He is a defeated enemy. That excites me. Revelation 20 makes very clear Satan's ultimate end in the lake of fire. Satan has already lost the fight. It's just a matter of time. Jesus took the fire out of Satan's battle plans at the cross. I'm so grateful for the cross of Christ. Colossians 2.15 says, the apostle Paul writing to the church in Colossae, he writes, having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, having triumphed over them through him, through Christ, in the cross. He disarmed principalities and powers. I love that. Satan must have thought, if I get him up on the cross, it's over. He's done. He's finished. 
But Jesus had the last word. He said, it is finished. (laughs) He wasn't finished. But what he came to accomplish was finished on the cross. Amen? The greatest victory of all time is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that's why we opened up with the scripture passage. Um, Brother Joe, can you throw that back up on the screen here tonight? I want to read this scripture again. And it's a very familiar scripture to us all. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 3 and 4. The Apostle Paul writing to the church in Corinth, for I delivered to you first of all his first message to the church in Corinth, First of all, to the people of Corinth, for I delivered to you first of all that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures and that he was buried and that he rose again on the third day according to the scriptures. Wow. Church, that is a powerful, powerful two verses. I encourage you to write that down, tuck it away somewhere. Don't forget it. He was buried. He rose. He died for our sins, according to the scriptures. And that he was buried and that he rose again the third day, according to the scriptures. What glorious truth. Here are two very important things to know. Number one, know the truth about your enemy. We're going to learn about our enemy during this series. We're going to learn what God's word has to say about our enemy. And number two, know know God. Know God and his truth. Know God and his word. Amen? Know God and his truth. And when you do, you'll know how to win each battle in your mind and in your home every day of your life. If you're honest with yourselves, and I'm going to be honest with you, we have, a, we have a battlefield called the human mind. You live on this side of heaven, you're no stranger to this battlefield called the human mind. The only power that Satan has is the power of deception. And that's so important that we understand that truth tonight. And the worst thing about deception is that you don't know you're being deceived. If you knew you were being deceived, it wouldn't be called deception. And that's why the Holy Spirit, our helper, our comforter, is so critical in this church age, in this age of grace, God has given us a helper, one who walks alongside of us, who is our teacher, amen? We're to judge all things according to the spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit is so critical. I'm so grateful for the Holy Spirit. And I pray that our hearts and minds would just be enlightened to the truth of God's word pertaining to the third person of the Godhead, the Holy Spirit, and the critical place and role that he has in the believer's life. He applies this grace that God is so, so, so abundantly has given to us. The Holy Spirit applies the grace of God. 
He applies the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross to our sinful hearts. Amen? I'm so grateful for the Holy Spirit. Once God's truth is received, deception loses all its power. Let me share that again here tonight. Once God's truth is received, deception loses all its power. The only power Satan has is the power we give him when we believe Satan's lies. He has no other power except when we believe his lies. Jesus, speaking of Satan, says in John 8, 44, there is no truth in him. Speaking of Satan, when he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. I don't mean disrespect to anyone, but I feel prompted by the Holy Spirit to share this. When someone who is a born-again follower of Jesus Christ says, I'm an alcoholic, that's a lie. In Christ, that's not who you are. Because the, the truth says you are a new creation. All the old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. Didn't get too many amens. The devil wants you to think you're an alcoholic. He wants you to be in that trap, in that prison. But in Christ, you're a new creation. You're not an alcoholic, brother. All the old things pass away. Behold, all things have become new. I feel that's for someone here tonight. The devil is the deceiver. he's working to deceive. In the book, The Strategy of Satan, in chapter 1, Warren Risby shares Satan's target is your mind. If you haven't picked up the book, I want to encourage you. We have some extra copies still available. You can pick one up in either um, foyer, I believe, in the south foyer at the close of tonight's service. I encourage you to pick up a book. If you don't have $5, it's just what we paid for the book. Um, just ask one of the pastors, and we'll be happy to bless you with one. And I have the original copy, his first writing, a little different than the... I think I like this cover better than this one. But in his book, he talks about Satan's target, and he defines it as your mind. When Satan wanted to lead the first man and woman into sin, he started by attacking the woman's mind. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul's second letter to the church in Corinth, in, in chapter 11, verse 3, makes this clear. Paul writes, but I feel as somehow as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Now, why would Satan want to attack your mind? Because your mind is the part of the image of God where God communicates with you and reveals his will to you. 
And so Satan attacks our mind. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 12 says, and do not be conformed to this world. Where does this conforming take place? Right here. In the mind. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We are inundated with his lies throughout the day. How many watched an advertisement today? Oh, I need that. I want that. Life, I can't go on with life without it. We are inundated with his lies and his deception. That's why we have all these images constantly, social media. Understand anything that could have the potential to share the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. Satan's going to do everything he can to use it to deceive, to lie, to lead people astray, and even believers if possible. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Why is that important that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God? Our target, Satan's target, is our mind because that's the part of the image of God where God communicates with you and me and reveals his will to us. And that's why the Apostle Paul in Philippians 4.8 says, Finally, brethren, whatever things are true. Whatever, whatever, whatever things are true. I'm holding truth right here. The word of God. Whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are a good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Proverbs 23, 7 says, For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. I can't overcome this. If that's what you think in your heart, you're going to be a prisoner. But if we know the truth, as we read earlier, the truth will what? Set you free. I can't overcome this. Jesus, thank you for overcoming this on the cross. And I share in your victory. And because I share in your victory, I walk in your victory. I walk in your might. Amen? I hope you're a sponge and you're just soaking this in. This is just an introduction to our series. He goes on in, in his book to talk about Satan's weapons, which are lies. His target is our mind. His weapons are lies. And Satan's purpose is to make you ignorant of God's will. That's his purpose. 
He goes on to talk about in his book, Our Defense, the believer's defense is the word of God, God's truth. There's no other defense that we have but the word of God, God's truth. In John 17, Jesus is praying for his disciples. He prays in John 17, 17, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Your word is truth. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. God's truth, church, exposes Satan's lies. If Satan can get you to believe a lie, then he can begin to work in your life to lead you into sin and away from God. Revelation 12, 9 reveals that Satan was cast out of heaven with a third of the angels. Revelation 12, 9, this is what it says. So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. These fallen angels are enemy forces who obey Satan and come to steal, kill, and destroy. In fact, Jesus said in John 10, 10, the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I told you that the enemy of your soul has a plan for your life. And this is his plan to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus said, I've come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Isn't that glorious, church? Jesus encountered these forces in his earthly ministry when he cast out demons. Our contact with these forces is unavoidable. In fact, Paul talks, turn, if you will, please, to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. The Apostle Paul talks about these forces. These enemy forces. They're real. They exist. And when we begin to understand God's truth about these forces... Things that are going on around us begin to make more sense. The spiritual war that's going on around our world, here in our country, begins to make more and more sense. Ephesians 6.12 tells us, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Our battle is not against each other. It's not against people. I hate to even bring up the word in a church gathering, but it's not against, it's not against a, a certain politician. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Because Satan is not omnipresent, meaning present everywhere all at the same time, only God is, you have encountered him personally. You know, when I've heard people say over the years, Pastor Satan made me do it. I said, you're pretty special. <laughs> you know, he's not omnipresent. Only God is omnipresent. However, he works in this world through his army of demonic forces. 
And these demonic forces are real. And Paul talks about them here in Ephesians chapter 6. These forces make up the kingdom of Satan. There's a war going on. The kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God against the kingdom of darkness. The kingdom of Satan. Jesus draws attention to Satan's kingdom when he asked the Pharisees in Matthew 12, 26, if Satan cast out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then will his kingdom stand? Satan has a kingdom. By design, a kingdom has different levels of rule and authority. Satan is the king of his kingdom with different levels of delegated authority beneath him. Ephesians 6.12 reveals four distinct levels. The first one is this, principalities. The Greek word here describes the highest order of delegated rule in Satan's kingdom. We get the, we get the English word architect from this word. Principalities are delegated rulers assigned over geographical nations and regions. Uh, you know, a great picture of this in Scripture is found in Daniel chapter 10. Write this passage down, Daniel chapter 10, verses 1 through 21. You want to see this spiritual war going on. The kingdom of darkness against the kingdom of God. We have a, an amazing picture of this in Daniel chapter 10, verses 1 through 21. They are the masters the architects of Satan's rule in these regions. Regional, religious, and political systems take on the nature of the principalities that rule over them. God did not send his son into the world to make us religious. He sent his son into the world to provide a way for us to have a, a relationship with him. Amen? God is not raising up a religious people. He's raising up a people with relationship with him through faith in his son. But we have religious institutions, don't we? We have political systems and religious systems. And these religious systems and these political systems, they're influenced by these forces. And then we have powers. The Greek word here means authorities. These powers are delegated authorities in Satan's kingdom under principalities. They might be described as the contractors who build the architect's master plan. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 2, Satan is called the prince of the power of the air. He's the ruler of this world system. There's systems. Worldly systems. The Bible says he's the ruler. His demonic forces have influence over these systems, over these governments. It's real. We get upset with certain people politically, and we don't recognize that they're being influenced by the prince of the air by the ruler of this world system, by these demonic forces. And when we begin to understand that these individuals are being influenced, strongly influenced in, in a lot of cases, our hearts 
would be gripped with such burden that we would find ourselves praying in a place of deep intercession for their soul because God desires that none would perish but all would come to repentance. Amen? Boy, you're quiet tonight. In fact, Pastor Ken, turn to that passage in Timothy about praying for those in authority. This is so critically important because those in authority are under spiritual attack. They're being influenced by these demonic forces. And God has given the church a job in relationship to those who govern. He says, first of all, pray for those who are in authority. Why is this important? Because they have influence. They shape cultures. And if they're being influenced and shaped by these demonic influences, the cultures that they shape and influence will be influenced as well by these demonic forces. And do we not see that in the world that we're living in today, just in our country alone? The unthinkable, the things that are so accepted today that 20 years ago were never accepted, 30 years ago, 40 years ago. There's a disregard to God's absolute truth. It's relevant. Who do you think is sowing that lie in the hearts of people that the word of that truth is relative. Satan. Why is he sowing that seed? Why is he that deception, that lie? Because if we believe in an absolute truth, in God's word being absolute truth, that means marriage is between one man and one woman. But if we believe his deception, if we believe his lies, that truth is relative, right? then we begin to redefine marriage. We disregard God's truth. And that's just one. That's a, that's a real current problem today, isn't it, church? It's not an attack on those who have been deceived. <laughs> now we need to pray. Amen? That this lie would be exposed by the truth of God's word. Because God desires that none would perish, but all would come to repentance. There's so many things today that we have just accepted, even, you know, in the church. We've accepted so many things as okay. That were never okay, according to God's word, but they're okay today. And we justify them because we have believed the deception. We've believed the lies that have been sown. Then we have rulers of the darkness of this world. Rulers can also be translated lords of this world. Lowercase lords, by the way. Jesus is king of kings and lord of lords. Amen. Darkness includes the concept of destitution, concealment, secrecy, lack of light, and, and, and even death. 
Spiritual darkness is the spiritual atmosphere that is void of the true wisdom, knowledge, understanding, and authority of Almighty God. Rulers of darkness are, are, are demons assigned to cover this world in darkness to conceal the true knowledge of God and of salvation through Jesus Christ in Jesus Christ alone. And Paul writes to the church in Corinth in his second letter in chapter 4, verse 4. But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded. I'm sure all of us here have unsaved family members, people that are dear and precious to us, blinded by religion. And you can debate them, you can get frustrated, you can argue with them all you want. But unless the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ would shine in their hearts, they're not going to believe according to what Paul wrote to the church there in his second letter to the Corinthians in chapter 4. And because I understand in God's word... His will is that none would perish, but all would come to repentance. It drives me to pray and to intercede for lost people. That that veil, whatever that veil is, and you name that veil specifically, whether it's the veil of Catholicism, Mormonism, Hinduism, Islam, whatever that veil is, would be lifted that the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ would shine in their hearts and in their minds, that they would believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. Do you believe hell is a real place? You know, Satan has sowed deception and, and seeds of doubt about hell. And today that's really popular, even in some evangelical churches. They're preaching and teaching that hell is not a real place. Hell's a real place. We know that according to God's word. And that's where all lost people will spend eternity apart from Christ. Doesn't that burden your heart? To pray, to pray, to intercede, to call out people's names. We're going to do that in just a, a few minutes here tonight. We got some, some names of some unsaved people. We're going to lift before the Lord tonight. In, in his first letter, in 1 Corinthians 1.18, the Apostle Paul writes, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. You see, these rulers of darkness are masters of human deception. They're masters of human deception. False religions, political mindsets, humanistic philosophies, and man-made traditions are powerful influences through which Satan blinds men to the truth in different areas of the world. In Colossians 2.8, the apostle Paul writes, Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. A recent study was done, 2017, by the Bonner Group. And uh, in fact, I, I have this report. And, and it's just 
man, it really burdens your heart. And in this report that I have, and there's lots of different statistics, but it lists the one, the, the, the 100 um, most postmodern cities, Christian cities, post-Christian cities in the U.S. Post-Christian, in other words, <laughs> Christianity. <laughs> We're over that. Rochester made that list. This is a recent study, 2017 study. I got this book. I got other, I got other data from this research. We paid to get it. We need to know the region. We need to know the area that we're ministering in. What are people thinking? What's the need? I'm going to share more of this with you as a whole church. What number do you think Rochester is out of 100? Seven? Five? Number 13. Number 13. 13 of all numbers. No, kidding. <laughs> We're number 13. We are. What's going on? I can tell you what's going on. These demonic forces are at work in Rochester, New York. That's what's going on. And they're deceiving hearts. People in Rochester are believing the devil's lies. And that's what's going on. And so Rochester is number 13 as far as post-Christian city in the U.S. out of 100. And then when it comes to the authority of God's word, God's absolute truth, out of 100 cities, rejecting God's truth as absolute, Rochester made the list. Number 86 makes sense. Flips. It flips. Makes sense. Number 86. Boy, doesn't that just alarm you? This is real. How can this happen in this city where Finney had this great revival? Taverns went out of business. The city would close at noon. Businesses would close and we'd go to church to worship God. What happened to the city of Rochester? Demonic forces, lies, deceptions. Being believed by Christians. By Christians. Yes. Why are Christians believing his lies and his deception? Because his lies can only be exposed through God's truth. And if we're not in his truth, we won't be able to expose the lies. We believe them. Remember, deception wouldn't be deception if it wasn't deception. 
So Satan takes a little (laughs) bit of what God says and he twists it and he turns it. He lures you in. Hey, wait a minute. That's not what God's word says. You're twisting it. You're turning it. Well, how do you know that? Because I live in this book. And church, we need to live in this book. Amen? We have spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. And the word host is a word that can also be translated armies. Wickedness describes the nature of these spirits as being morally evil. Morally evil. I mean, every day you see me, you turn on the news and you read something that's just despicable. It's so evil. Someone, these four kids that were just, their lives were just taken in Pennsylvania, was it? On this farm. And they were boiled. I mean, you talk about wicked and evil. The English word for wicked is derived from the root word that means twisted. I mean, have you ever heard yourself saying, boy, that's just twisted. Their mind, that's just twisted thinking. Spiritual hosts of wickedness are armies of wicked spirits sent forth to twist the truth of God into a lie. They work to twist man's behavior, thinking, and character against the moral standard of God and his absolute truth. It is these spirits that come to oppress and demonize the bodies, minds, and souls of men, women, boys, and girls, if permitted. Church, if warfare in the heavens was all it took to get this earth free from Satan's hold, then the battle could have taken place there in heaven without the cross. But Satan's spiritual hold on human lives had to be broken in the earthly realm. The battle was spiritual, but it was fought on an earthly battlefield. Jesus came as the last Adam to take back what the first Adam lost. And when Jesus came to this earth, he took on the form of a serpent and according to Philippians 2, verses 5 through 9, became obedient even to the point of death on the cross. 1 John, 1 John chapter 3, verse 8 says, For this purpose the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. And that he did on the cross. Satan is a defeated enemy. Did you hear that, church? He is a defeated enemy. The only power that Satan has is the power of deception. And as long as we walk in the truth, we live in the truth, we know the truth, we grow in the truth, we will not succumb to his deception, to his lies. Satan's tactics change with time and culture, but the strategy remains the same. Satan always attempts to make us doubt God's word. Always attempts to make us doubt God's word. And we're going to see this further in this study over the next several weeks. Satan always confronts the doubter with a denial of the word of God. I have both of these on your outline. Satan always attempts to make us doubt God's word. Satan always attempts to make us doubt God's word, and Satan always confronts the doubter with a denial of the word of God. Steve, would you make your way to the platform, please? And if we can get those other prayer cards 
I want to just wrap up with Psalms 119, verse 11. Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Thy word I have hidden in my heart. Your truth I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Next week, we're going to dive more into Satan's target, his weapons, his purpose, and our defense, the word of God, God's truth. I have a group that I've been meeting with. It's the... It's the discipleship team. We're, we're just been meeting and talking and praying how we can help you grow in God's truth and God's word from the youngest to the oldest here at Greece Assembly. Because Satan's lies can only be exposed by the truth of God's word and how we all need to be growing in God's truth and be ready always to give a reason of the hope that we have. But we have to know his truth. We have to be growing in his truth. Amen, church? Hey, you're a follower of Jesus? You've been raised in newness of life. You share in the victory that Jesus won at Calvary. You believe that? Satan might be lying to you right now, saying you'll never overcome this. You're done. You're finished. Lies, 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 lies. You a follower of Jesus Christ. You've been raised in newness of life. You share in his victory, amen? Christ followers are victorious people. Victorious people. We have a real enemy who attacks us. We can be a punching bag. Hey, there are times when we just give in to the lies, don't we? And, and we, we sin, we stray. But I love... I love 1 John 1, 9, that if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us, amen, of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness.